Hello, my name is Ruth Blakely. And I'm Caroline Schwabe. And today we are talking about experience wine, as we usually do. And we have something very exciting today. <laughs> I've been waiting all week. <laughs> bubbles, bubbles, bubbles. I love bubbles. Now, if you ask anybody, okay, what, what are you drinking on New Year's Eve? They're apt to say champagne. Usually bubbles. Yeah. Usually sparkling. And they usually say champagne. Right. And sometimes they're drinking real champagne, and sometimes they're drinking a sparkling wine from various parts of the world. So today we're going to take you on a little trip around the world in a glass full of bubbles. Yes. And I have a friend who's a chemist who tells me that there is a whole field of bubble science. And he said, if I had known that there was bubble scientists' jobs when I was going through my <laughs> chemistry PhD, he might have changed his tacts a bit. But So it is a big deal. Bubbles are Bubble big, scientists. Bubble scientists. It is a big deal. Bubbles are a big deal. So we should talk a little bit about how we experience wine. Uh, as I've mentioned before, most of my training is through Wine and Spirits Education Trust. And Carolyn, I'm sure you remember the systematic approach to tasting wine. I think I think I just do it with you every time. <laughs> I'm not sure I remember it. It's, it comes quite naturally now. There you go. So you look at the wine first and you look at the color. And if there's any sediment or in this case, if there's bubbles and very important with bubbly wine, uh, how big the bubbles are or how small they are, because that is an indicator of quality. So uh, smaller bubbles are better. Preferable. Smaller yes. bubbles are better. And tell me why. Because smaller bubbles usually indicate that it hasn't that it has been naturally carbonated. So if you think about drinking a Coca Cola, it's got all kinds of carbonation, but there's nothing natural about those bubbles. Those no. have been that that smack you in the yeah the carbon dioxide has been bubbles. injected right into the into the liquid. So with um, well made bubbles, then they're actually the bubbles occur naturally as the yeast eats the sugar. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into a little bit of how there's different methods to do that as we go. But this particular, we're going to just like jump right into the first wine a little bit because it's much easier for me to drink and talk at the same time. <laughs> also, we've normally we, we open the bottles while we're talking, but these, uh, these uh, have already been poured and we're um, looking at the bubbles now. And we are looking at the bubbles now. So, and partly that was because I didn't want to have... Um, an explosion all over the studio. I am going to open the actual champagne uh, on the mic, and hopefully it doesn't make a big old mess. It hasn't been shaken up, so that's that's <laughs> that's probably good. So um, when you think, okay, we know that everybody knows about champagne, which can only be from champagne. What's the other top bubble that comes to your mind? Y you know what? Uh, yeah, Prosecco is probably... Probably the one that I think of. And it's also really popular right now. Prosecco is huge. It actually, there is more Prosecco sold in the world than champagne. Not by dollar, but by volume. So in 2017, 544 million bottles wow. of Prosecco. It's crazy. That is fascinating. And I think it's because bubbles aren't just for New Year's Eve anymore. So bubbles become acceptable for things like brunch. Yeah, I've actually noticed that even in just in our own life, we've had we've had bubbles with Indian food, 
uh, fast, like takeout. Um, and just, yeah, if we feel like it. Sometimes you just, you don't feel like beer or wine. And, and this is a nice, a be- just a refreshing, gorgeous glass to, to, to enjoy with anything. Right. And most of the bubbly wine carries a fairly high acid, which means it can cut the fat of a fatty food. For example, all three of the wines that we're trying today, fantastic with buttered popcorn. Hmm. I haven't done that. <laughs> Thank you for the tip. Or chips. <laughs> yeah. My husband does it with, he calls them football chips. So sometimes, you know, maybe on a Sunday we'll watch a football game. And, and have bubbles. That's and great. And have bubbles. Yeah, it's pretty Perfect. awesome. So the first one we're trying today is actually Prosecco. Again, we talked, it's hugely part, it's a huge part of the bubbles market. And do you know where it's from? Uh, it's from Italy. It is from Italy. And it's from a part of Italy that people don't normally associate with winemaking, unless they're wine geeks, and it's from the Veneto, near Venice. Okay. Oh, okay. So when I stick my nose in this glass, mm-hmm. which is the second part of the systematic approach to wine, you smell it. It's, it's quite pale. I would it call is. it pale lemon. When I stick my nose in this glass, I am back sitting on the island of San Giorgio, which is just across from St. Mark's Square in Venice. I love your travel stories. (laughs) So, you know, St. Mark's Square in Venice is beautiful, but it's insanely crowded. But you can take a little Vaporetto, just, you know, it's their water water bus across the water. And we sat and we enjoyed the view of St. Mark's Square while drinking a beautiful chilled bottle of Prosecco outside Mm. in the sun on a lovely day. And that's what you remember when you stick your nose in this glass. When I stick my nose in this glass, that's where I go. It's, it's not really, uh, or it could just be Sunday brunch with the girls, too. That's gorgeous. Okay, so let's take a little sip of this, fellow. Mm-hmm. Now, with Prosecco, you get a whole different mouth experience than you do with still wine. You definitely. You can't slurp it. <laughs> it's not a good idea. There would be a lot of coughing and uh, choking. So what happens in your mouth? It's gorgeous. It, it basically exploded in there. Uh, and um, this one definitely has fine bubbles. It's beautiful. It, it's, and it's, it is actually um, Fedora, which is from very close to Venice. Okay. This, this wine is not particularly common in North America. The wine store that I work at, the wine cellar, actually imports this direct from Italy. Um, that's why I haven't tasted it before. That's why you haven't tasted it before. It's, if I could see, it's almost foamy. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it literally exploded in there. And um, carry on. I cut no, you off. No, be, no, not at all. Because we're going to talk about what that would be described at. So if you're looking for the words and you were trying to describe this as a bubble experience in your mouth, you would say that that's a fairly aggressive mousse. Oh, is it? Well, that's exactly what it's like. It's your mouth fills with with foam and and like and that's not a nice way of saying it. I think mousse sounds nicer. Let's do. Well, mousse let's is go the is the phrase that they yes. usually use. But yes. I think it's a beautiful bottle. It it's is. not particularly expensive. Um, it's under twenty five dollars. That's great. Um, in the and this is actually uh, th- it's a reserva. This is also a brute. Mm-hmm. So, if somebody says brute. I was just going to say, I forget what that means. It means dry. (laughs) Okay, good. But it can be other things as well. And all um, types of sparkling wines tend to follow the same rules that it might be demi-sec or uh, brut naturel, which is super dry. 
This has a little bit of residual sugar, just mm-hmm. a little bit, and that's from the dosage. So do I don't we, know what that is. Let's talk about how champagne's Please. made. Have you you've been to a champagne house? Though. I have, but I don't remember the word dosage at Do, all. Dosage. Do, am I saying it right? Absolutely. So, which is good because once we get to the cava, and I like murder the pronunciations of the grapes, then people will <laughs> remember that I knew how to say dosage. Uh, so, to make champagne, first you're making a still wine, and in this particular case, for a prosecco, same same process, and the grape is Glera. Okay. Doesn't trip off the tongue. Most people don't no. know it. Uh, it. It was often called just Prosecco, Glera, but it is something that um, uh, it provides a nice acid. It gives you some nice kind of lemony character. Yeah, I've got a little bit of floral, too. It's A nice. little bit of white flower. Yeah. I've got a little bit of white flower in there. So, you know, um, maybe some jasmine even. Maybe that's what I'm tasting. Is it when I say floral, it's probably just, you're right. Maybe I don't know. White mm-hmm. flowers. White mm-hmm. flowers is a legitimate is a legitimate descriptor. So these things that we talk about with prosecco are also very common with cava and champagne. So again, with this in this case, they're natural bubbles, but there is a big difference with this particular prosecco or most prosecco and. Um, the cava and also the champagne, and that is the dosage, because with Prosecco, they use the Charmant method, which is much less expensive in that they make the bubbles in the tank. They don't make them in the bottle. Okay. That would make it less expensive because, well, just the labor. The labor involved. And you're not spending a lot of time in a barrel. Mm -hmm. And barrels are hugely expensive, so this is tank. So uh, what does that change... Um, about the finished product. So you're not in your opinion. Right. You're not going to get as many bubbles. Like if you look at the Prosecco and I've also poured a cava and we'll talk about that in a minute. You notice that the cava actually has more bubbles, even though the glasses are identical. Um there are Proseccos on the market that um are not naturally fermented. Like they're they have they, they do have the carbon dioxide injected the same way you do for Coke. Not very many of them. Uh, and those would be the very, very inexpensive sub ten dollar Okay, I didn't even know that they did that at all. So uh it's it's not it's you, you'll see it in some very, very inexpensive sparkling wine in other parts of the world more than you will in, in right. Italy, Spain or France. Have you tried you've tried them probably? Yeah, and then most of them are not great. Okay. When you were growing up, did you have baby duck? I probably did. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Sometimes pain has a short memory. So cava, unlike prosecco, the rule there are more rules around cava than there are around prosecco. This is a really nice prosecco. Again, it's organic. Like the family is very aware of the impact on the environment, and that's a big part of who they are. Um, nice. They also make Valpolicella. You know, they have all of these other lovely lovely grapes in the in the Veneto mm-hmm. but this is something that they do really well I think um, and it's a it's a really nice Prosecco and it's pretty inexpensive I love uh, it I might be coming to see you at the wine cellar right. my, my, <laughs> since my, my, that's where you get it in the town <laughs> in town <laughs> so let's go to the Cava let's so the Cava is from Spain right and I think most people at some point in their life have had a bubbling wine from Spain and didn't realize that it was a Cava um, Cava is from Catalonia, which is sort of not too far from Barcelona. And with 
Cava, and please, all the Spanish speakers, forgive me for this. Uh, Macabeo, I don't have any trouble with Macabeo. So it's a very common grape in Cava. Uh, Perillada and Girello. They're the most common, but in Spain, they're allowed international grapes as well. And we've talked about that in with regards to Italy and some of the other places as well. So, they, you know, you can you can have a cava that has champagne in it, but they do in they do have very strict rules, very similar to the rules that are um, required in actual champagne. But mm. cava is often the best buy of all. Nice. So we are drinking uh, that. So go ahead. So, um, did you tell me? Why, like, is cava, what is the word, what is the word, why is the word associated with this Spanish body so, wine? So that's, that's the, that's what they call, so sp- they used to call it Spanish champagne. Uh-huh. Champagne they, said, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> I was going to say they got their hands smacked. <laughs> the French are very protective of that designation. Of course. Uh, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, so that's not terribly surprising. Right. Um, How many bottles again? <laughs> well, oh, that's Prosecco. That was Prosecco. I'd have to check and see, but I know that it's the, like the, the I'm not going to guess again. Because it's I, a lot. It's a lot. Um, yeah. And the average price per bottle is considerably higher. Right. Than it is for either cava or prosecco. So they they called their Spanish bubbly is called cava, right? And it has Thank restrictions. You. It has to be from the special region. Okay. It has to be made a specific way, which is the same way that champagne is made, the traditional method. Uh, Maybe you should talk about that a little bit. Want to talk about that? I was going to hold that for when we get to the champagne. Oh, do but that. We can, we can talk about that. Sorry a little, about that. I'm eager. A gazillion champagne style bottles, and you realize how heavy they are. Yes. And that's because they have to withstand the pressure of all of that activity right. and all of those wonderful effervescent bubbles being formed. Uh, so the dosage is the uh, bit of sweet something yep. <laughs> on which the yeast can feast Feet. and create the bubbles. Okay, and thank you. Bubbles. Absolutely. So they put the they put the um, beer style cap on it and tip it up so that it eventually you know slides the the yeast and all the sediment slides to the end. Then they put it on a line, or they used to do it by hand, dunk it into salted ice water or something similar. Now, sometimes they use glycol, whatever, to make it cold. They like almost freeze it. Pop the beer cap cork, which is just a beer cap thing, and all of the sediment goes flying out. I did not know this. <laughs> they top up with dosage, and then they put the actual cork that you remember right into the bottle that's a crazy a thing it. to do it is crazy so you've got wine you tip it up you get all the stuff out and then you add a little bit more dosage you want to get some bubbles forming then you put the cork back in and you put the wire in and you understand how it can get very expensive very fast right is this all done by hand uh, a lot of times now they're using machines. Okay. I was going to say, oh, I can't imagine that people are doing that. There are still champagne houses, and I would imagine places that make cava that still do everything by hand. Wow. Uh, and a good Riddler can do thousands of bottles in a day. The Riddler. Um, the Riddler Rack? The Riddler oh, the, 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 riddle, the Riddler is the, the person who does the Riddler Rack. Right. It sounds like magic. It is kind of. <laughs> it is kind of. Because if you think about it, you have, you know, like wine sugar, a little bit of live yeast, and all of a sudden you have these magical bubbles. That's fantastic. And so, Thank you for explaining all that. I Maybe we learned that uh, when we were in Epernay, but it's been a long time, and I, I do not remember that at all. So let's have a sip. So cava, 
Cava is, again, Macabeo, Parillada, Girello, um, which is the three grapes that are in the Segura Viudas um, um, Brut Cava. Again, Brut meaning dry. Quite a bit drier than the Prosecco. Quite a bit drier than the Prosecco. Quite a bit. Um, not quite as much finish. We've talked a lot about the finish on wines and how that, that yeah. gives you the, an indicator of quality. Again, this particular Cava, available pretty much all over the world, they make, I don't know how many, oh, yes. tens of thousands of bottles they actually produce, mm-hmm. but a lot. It's very inexpensive. You should never pay more than $20 for this wine. In Canada, it's probably down around 10 or 11 in the wow. States. It's it's under ten pounds in the UK, so it's a it's a very affordable tipple. It's there's a lot of work that goes into it because mm-hmm. it's still made in the traditional method, and yet it's a really decent wine. This is my choice for mimosas. Nice, yeah. Well, actually, because it's not quite as sweet or as fruity as the as the prosecco, it's actually would kind of complement the orange juice, I think, or whatever kind of juice you're using, because the juice is a lot sweeter. So it actually kind of balance them out really yep. nicely, make it nice. So nice. Carolyn, tell me what you see, what you smell, what you taste. It's This one's also quite light, just as the Prosecco. It's got a little more of a... Uh, I can see a, a little peachy undertone, like a... It's not yellow, but there's a sort of a rose rose type of look to it. Am I accurate there? Or is it more yellow? Anyway, there's there's a, a little more color in this one. A little bit more, yeah, it's slightly less pale. I think it's just a little bit, got, yeah. got a little bit more density in the Ever color. so slightly. And uh, also a nice mousse as well, but not quite as effervescent as the Prosecco. So a little bit calmer. <laughs> not as shocking. <laughs> it's not going to come right out your nose. Right, not yet. <laughs> and uh, and um, a nice flavor, uh, quite a bit. My, my perception is that it's, it's a lot drier. It feels drier, and I think that's because it has more acid. So if you're trying to figure out, is this acidic or not, sweet will hide acid. So that's why a really well-balanced dessert wine isn't cloying, because it has lots of acid. All of these wines carry a fair amount of acid. So without being too gross, when you take a sip of a wine that's high in acid, even if it doesn't feel like it, if you think about, you know, am I salivating? Right. And I bet you that you are after Mm -hmm. having a little sip because it's got high acid and that will, again, make it very complimentary to high fatty foods. It's why it's great for brunch, not just in a mimosa. I mean, if I was going to make a, a champagne-style cocktail, um, I would probably use a cava. Right. Again, Prosecco tends to be just a smidgen sweeter, and, um, and cava is often a really good bargain. Certainly in North America, it's a really good buy. Right. Uh, I, I, would, I would say... You said it would you you can get it like under twenty for sure. Yep. For that price point, I I think this is just a lovely glass, and it's just it's easy, it's easy to drink and easy to enjoy. You it's don't have to think fun. too too much about it. You can have it because it's Tuesday. Right. Exactly. <laughs> champagne Fridays. I'm sure that more. I'm not the only person that participates in a small group of people that does champagne, champagne Fridays, <laughs> and we're all over the world, so that's really fun. <laughs> 
That is fun, um, and and so yeah, you can just pop a, a pop open a cava, and it's a it's a pretty guilt free tipple. Yeah. So I'm going to get into the champagne, mm-hmm. and I'm going to open this. So hopefully, again, I don't make a big mess. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you open champagne. So you take the foil off. Usually, there's a little tab, and you just pull the tab, and then you twist. Count the twists. One, One two, three, four. Five. Exactly I'm, five, and it's open. Yeah, usually and the cage six, comes so out. I don't know what the heck. Maybe uh, your twists were Maybe big. I had big twists. Uh, <laughs> in, in France, there are other regions other than Champagne that make beautiful sparkling wine. And they are called, they can't be called Champagne, they're called Cremant. I've heard that word. I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> so the Cremant. Okay, thank And the you. Cremant de Bourgogne is probably the one that's closest to Champagne. Because if you think about where Burgundy and where Champagne are in France, they're, they're, they're pretty close together. Yeah. Um, and Cremant is from Burgundy is, again, quite close to Champagne in style and taste. But you can also get Cremant from the Loire Valley that's beautiful. Cremant in Alsace, so you can get like a sparkling Riesling. It's very different. Um, but really that lovely. That sounds fun. It's really fun. And so you can have all these wonderful sparkling wines from France that are delicious, not quite as expensive as Champagne. Okay, knowing you, I need to ask you, can you taste the difference between Champagne and Cremant? Let's say uh, one from Burgundy that's very close. Yes. You can taste it. And can you tell me what you t- what's the difference? It, it's usually just about the complexity because the very best vineyards, say in Burgundy, are being used to make Pinot Noir, which is one of the grapes in Champagne, mm-hmm. uh, and Chardonnay. But if they're going to make it into a Cremant, um, they're not, they're, the price per bottle is not very high relative to, say, if I have a, a premier crew or a grand crew vineyard in Burgundy, I'm not going to be making Cremant. It doesn't make sense. I can, if I have a grand crew, I can charge hundreds of dollars for it. And right. if I have a Cremant, I'm charging about 20 25 Okay. So, so, so it's not premium grapes. Sure. And that's really the primary difference. Uh, in, to my mind, so okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna open this fellow. Nice. And how are you? Do you just tell us about how you're doing that? So I've got the cage off now. We twisted it off, and that you should actually hold. I'm not going to, but you should actually hold a towel over the top, and twist the bottle, not the cork. And really, now this is was shaken up a bit in my car, so hopefully it doesn't go. You don't want the cork to go flying. A somebody could get seriously injured. It's wasteful of all of that champagne, and I cringe every time a sports team wastes <laughs> all of that champagne, and I just cross my fingers that it's something inexpensive and not something divine. And what you really want it I to do, do... too. I'll be honest. I do. Say, why? 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 <laughs> it's very celebratory. And what we want it to do is sigh. I think this one's going to pop a little bit, but we'd like it to just sigh. So twist. Beautiful. And you get a little steam off the top. And... We are drinking Edouard Brun, who is a relatively small producer, and I'm a big fan of what is called grower champagne. Mm -hmm. So grower champagne, they don't have the same kind of big uh, marketing budget that Moet does. Like, Is anybody who's ever drank wine not heard of Dom Perignon? Dom Perignon is beautiful wine, right? but it's very expensive. Um, 
And make no mistake, if I could drink vintage Krug on a fairly regular basis, I'd be more than happy to do that. But my budget doesn't quite extend to that. <laughs> right. Most most budgets don't. Most budgets don't extend to that. So yeah. so you have um, these wonderful grower champagnes that are, you know, they're right next door. So Edward Brun makes quite a few different ones. This is actually the the it's a premier crew, so it's a premier crew vineyard, which means first first growth. Mm-hmm. Not a grand crew, but a premier crew vineyard. It's um uh, mostly Pinot Noir. And you'll notice when I actually finally did I pour you some? Yes I did. That that the color is still pale, but much more into the gold spectrum. I am so surprised at the difference in color. It's it's a lot more. Uh, and when you hold it up to the white, uh, we just got a sheet of paper here, um, quite a bit more yellow uh, color in there. And also you can see the bubbles. There's beautiful, very, very tiny bubbles. They really are. And uh, the other the Prosecco and the Cava, you could see the, uh, a few here and there, but virtually no color at all. I'm very, very pale, especially the Prosecco. And, um, but I would say they're graduating in color and in bubbles uh, between the three of these. Right. So this is Pinot Noir, but it's not red, right? right. People think, and that's because there's no skin contact right. with the grapes because, again, that's how wine gets its colors from the skin. So they... they <coughs> crush the grapes. With champagne grapes, they tend to, to pick them just a little bit less ripe because they want the high acid. Mm-hmm. So this is 75% Pinot Noir, 25% Chardonnay, nice. which are the most common um, grapes in champagne. Um, often, they will also use Pinot Meunier. So Pinot Meunier um, imparts some more berry flavors. Oh. Uh, the Pinot Noir smells, not surprisingly, like Pinot Noir. So now mm-hmm. that we've looked at this little uh, lovely um, Premier crew, let's take a smell. Wow! And how much more nose is that? So you were talking about the difference between the different kinds of... Uh, I'm flabbergasted. It's unbelievable. It's un- completely unlike the other two. And so much more on the nose. Like, it just smacks you in the face compared to the other. And, and I, the other two are beautiful. And They're lovely, lovely little bottles, yeah. But, um, so I'm, I wish I knew what I was, I don't have a, you know, I've been, you suggested that I smell some spices in my spice cabinet. And I have been doing that, actually. I've been trying to train my nose a little bit so that I can come up with a word or two when I uh, taste a wine, but I don't have a word for what I'm smelling right now. Can you help me out? Yeah, wow. (laughs) Wow, exactly. (laughs) So really, a lot of what you're getting off the nose, and this has a very pronounced nose. Like this, the the, the aromas are really vibrant. And it's a lot of autolytics. So it's the smell of the yeast, and it smells like brioche. What is that word you just said? Brioche? No, autolytics. autolytics. It's a wine geeky word. Um, what does it mean? It, it's the it's the Quickly. aromas that are it's the aromas that are generated by the other by things that are other than the fruit. Okay, thank you. So autolytics, a, autolytics. So thank age, um, yeast, barrel, because all of those things come into play. So this is aged on the lees, surly, yes, surly, which gives you some of that lovely yeastiness in the nose, because it does smell you know, a little bit like that, a French bakery. That, yeah. mm-hmm. 
and a little bit like honeysuckle. Yes, thank you for that. And it's really quite lovely. So again, still wine into a riddling rack. The yeast and the sediment goes shooting out when they chill the neck and pop the top off. A little dosage. They put the cork in, put the cage on, and then they age it some more. So champagne is aged in both the barrel and the bottle, and the length of time depends very much on the producer. Okay. So. Do you know how long? Uh, 30 days on the lees, and I'm not sure how long in the bottle for this guy. Uh, So quite a while. Yeah. Quite a while. But it's a beautiful, beautiful bottle. Let's drink it. Let's drink that. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Now, when people think champagne, they tend to think in the hundreds of dollars. We were talking about grower champagne, and I think this one is around 60 It's lovely. Which, uh, for a Premier Cru champagne, is really quite so wonderful. So, I'm, I'm impressed. I like that there aren't quite as many bubbles. <laughs> I'm meaning uh, I don't have that, that big explosion and I don't. I wouldn't describe it as a mousse when I drink this one. Would I you? would say that the mousse is more delicate, quite a bit more, from my uh, end of things here. <laughs> but if you tried to slurp it, <clears throat> yeah. you'll notice that it's there. Oh, definitely. I didn't do that yet. <laughs> so yeah, beautiful bubbles, beautifully made, mm. Um, mm. lovely finish that seems to go on for a week. And the acidity comes uh, at the end too. You can re- you really. Um, it's like uh, the, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not being very descriptive here, but uh, the finish is, is gorgeous and it's lingering. It actually lasts quite long, quite a bit longer than the other two that we tried. Oh, it definitely has a long finish. <clears throat> so again, it's three times as much money, or not quite three, three times as much money, but it is a beautiful bottle, um, real champagne. This one is non-vintage, and we'll just touch briefly on that before we wrap up. Non-vintage meaning that this is the style of the house and it is a blend of different years. Mm -hmm. So it's actually quite hard to make non-vintage champagne because there is an expectation for everybody that opens that bottle of non-vintage champagne that it's going to taste the same every year as opposed to a vintage champagne which is very much influenced by the growing conditions in that season. Right, and it can vary. Right. Year, year to year. Right. And um, sometimes if people are really super geeky, they'll look up disgorgement dates and all that kind of stuff. And if you really are that interested, <laughs> because there are subtle differences sometimes um, between um, different batches of, 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 um, of a non-vintage champagne, but Brune has been very consistent over the years. So um, I think that you would find that it's very consistent. They also make vintage champagne and vintage champagne is generally more expensive than non-vintage champagne because you have a limited crop with which to work. And it's a surprise in every bottle. Not and every bottle, it is but every surprise. year. It's a surprise yeah. every year. And that, makes, that adds to the excitement of it too. And the cost of champagne is high. So yes, some of that is marketing, some of that is prestige, but a lot of it is the land is very expensive. Mm-hmm. The barrels are insanely expensive. Like you're looking over $600 per barrel. Right. Um, 
the bottles themselves are expensive, the mm-hmm. riddling racks, the having the, either the machines to do the riddling or the people to do the riddling, or the, you know, the, the, the cost just keeps going up and up and up and in compounds because, again, the bottles are heavy, they're more expensive to ship, So et cetera, if you think about all three of these, what a, what a beautiful value for a gorgeous taste and a, and a, a glass on a Tuesday. <laughs> exactly. So it's just a fun, like champagne is so much fun. So yeah, for New Year's Eve, maybe spring for the real thing. Um, Why not? But, you know, if and, and if you want to have it for your brunch on Sunday, good for you. Sometimes <laughs> I do that too. Um, but if you're just looking for something that's light and fun, then you can do that. There's nothing wrong with a sparkling wine. California makes great sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. Canada makes good sparkling wine. The, the French make those beautiful cremas. You can get a sparkling wine from virtual, virtually any wine region in the world, and it will provide you the bubbles and the flavors that are indicative of that region. So how wonderful is that? It's completely wonderful. <laughs> so here's to traveling along with some bubbles. Cheers. Until next time, I'm Ruth Blakely. I'm Caroline Schwabe. Thanks for listening. <laughs>